Hello everyone and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, we're going to be going over some of the top stories in a rather slow news week and telling you guys what that means for the country and for you. I'm Drew Bennett and you're listening to the Drew View. Alrighty, thank you for tuning back in to another episode of The Drew View. So, this week has been a rather slow news week, if you haven't noticed. It is crazy when you have those weeks where it's like some weeks, there's about 14 different stories I want to try and jam into uh, one day, and then there's other weeks like this week where it's like, man, it's hard to find things to talk about that actually impact your daily life. And there are always going to be stories out there that have a direct impact on your daily life, but not every single one of those are easy to find and easy to come by. And a lot of times those stories get suppressed and get pushed down because other stories are deemed more important, even though they have less of a direct impact on your life. So what I'm going to be doing today is just recapping some of the news stories. And I will be doing better at this. I think I'm going to try and on days where there's a lot of news to cover, maybe writing down some headlines and and maybe going back later in the week or at a later date when news becomes less and less noteworthy and when there is a lot less to talk about. So that's kind of what I'm going to be doing in the future. Uh, But that's what the plan is for today. So I'm going to be going over some stories. It will be a shorter episode. This is going to be a much more informative episode rather than a typical like opinion episode that I usually have where I talk about my opinions on a lot of different things. I'm really just going to be breaking down different things. I might add my opinions in here, there, but it's mostly just going to be the news. And along with that, it is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. I know I've been saying that a lot lately, but it actually is this time because I'm exhausted. I had a long day from standardized testing uh, and then having honors night. I just I had a busy day, so uh, I'm recording this rather late at night, so I'm going to try and and get through what I can and then uh, get off so you guys can either go back and listen to some episodes maybe you've missed from last week or the week before, or you can have some time to listen to, I don't know, another podcast or something. But let's get into the first article. So, a suspect was captured in a shooting that happened in Atlanta this week. Uh, It was a totally devastating attack that happened. This crazy man went in to a medical facility and attacked some different women, and one of them was killed and four others were injured as of the time I'm recording this episode. So our thoughts and prayers are going to be with those in Atlanta, and we're just going to be praying for them. Just another another really tragic, tragic uh, event that that happens when we continue as a society to move further and further away from God. And I know that that is a lot of times people are like, oh, well, there's other reasons behind it too. You know, we go on and on about the guns or this or that, but it really is, you know, we're reading in FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which I attend, we're reading in Romans 1. And in Romans 1, it talks about all these different things that happen when uh, we turn away from God and, and what happened in Greek and in Rome. 
And you look at some of that, and so much of it is similar to what we face today and what we see today that it's just interesting to look at those parallels and say, hmm, how far away from God have we really gotten? And uh, so I think, again, just be in prayer for those people in Atlanta, be in prayer for those that were injured, help them to uh, just recover, and just prayers for those family, uh, I guess that family, but also just families of people around the country who are really hurting right now because of different travesties, tragedies that have happened. And it's just so sad. It really is. We're seeing a time in our country where crime is just on an incredible rise and good is becoming bad and bad is becoming good. And it's just becoming incredibly, incredibly sad to watch. For the next story, this is one that a lot of people will say, well, this does not affect the lives of everyday Americans. This shouldn't be a topic that you're focusing on. And to an extent, you might be true. But the reason I focus on this is because of how big of a national security impact it has and also how much it says for the family, really, this running the United States. And that is uh, the DOJ is near a decision on whether or not to charge Hunter Biden with gun and tax crimes. But the biggest thing that I think there is to take away from this story is that you look at how it was done. You look at how, uh, you know, Hunter Biden has done things and he has so much more on his laptop, one single laptop that was proven to be true. Uh, he has more on that laptop than uh, Don they're accusing Donald Trump of doing. And, and especially if you look at the uh, boxes situation where Trump had boxes of documents in Mar-a-Lago. And if you look at how they raided his home, made a mess of the place, just went through and ravaged his, his home, his place of living. And then you look at how they treated Hunter Biden or Hillary Clinton or anybody else going through a similar situation. It's just incredible because I know I've talked in episodes prior about a two-tiered justice system, but this is what people mean by that. It's that Hunter Biden gets to have all of his lawyers and all of his, you know, high-profile attorneys all sit down and they sing kumbaya and then all is well by the end of it. But with Donald Trump, when all of his people, including him, like meet with everybody they need to and, and they keep everything as secure and and just how it is requested that they keep it, he gets his home raided and is made to look like a fool because of something that is not even wrong because he had the authority to essentially just say, yeah, that's, uh, that is uh, declassified due to the Presidential Records Act. It's an informal thing. You can pretty much, the president pretty much has the power to say, oh yeah, by the way, that document's declassified. Don't worry about it. The president has so much power with that that it's hard to get a president with stealing quote-unquote classified documents because all they have to say is that they declassified it. It's not a formal process where they have to have written procedures and everything stating, okay, I want this one and this one and this one unclassified and they have to go through a whole process. It's not like that. What it is like that for is someone like, I don't know, a vice president or a senator, just like, oh, I don't know. How about Joseph Biden, who uh, was caught with documents in his think tank and uh, in his home 
that were from when he was vice president and senator. And the only way that these would be able to uh, be, you know, they could even say that they're declassified is if Biden did indeed go through this formal process, because if you're vice president or a senator, you have to go through a much more formal process. If he went through that, then this wouldn't be an issue, but he didn't. That's where the problem lies. Or all Barack Obama has to say is, hey, yeah, when I was president, I uh, declassified all of that stuff. He's good. But the reason that Obama won't do that is because then everybody would see, wait, if that's how that works, Trump can just get out of his situation. And that's exactly how it does work. Because all Biden has to, or sorry, all Obama has to do to get Biden out of this pickle is just say, and of course, it's not really a pickle anymore because nobody talks about this story. They only focus on President Trump. But, you know, all Obama has to do is say, yeah, I declassified that when I was president. Okay, nothing they can do. But that is not what happened. But then again, you just look at what's happening with Hunter Biden and with Trump. And I always say you just compare the two. You compare one who is a former president who should have. Yes, I understand that nobody's above the law, but if anybody, if you should take into account prosecutorial discretion, in any case, it would be one with a former president. That's a situation in which you have to be very smart in how you prosecute a case because you do take the risk of it coming off as political. But if you're so willing to attack a political opponent, but then incredibly, incredibly reluctant to charge somebody on your side politically who is accused of and essentially has done 10 times what President Trump has in terms of criminality, and you just compare the two and how they're treated. And if you can't see a two-tiered justice system, then well, my friend, I think you need to get your eyes checked. Finally, the other story that I'll get to tonight is something that I found kind of interesting, and that is Ron DeSantis had a group of people stage a sit-in in his office. These are a group of people, they call themselves the Dream Defenders, and they said essentially what they were doing was protesting quite literally everything DeSantis has ever done. That's essentially what they were doing. His whole governance has been a disaster, according to them, so they staged a sit-in. There were 14 protesters that were arrested. And essentially what had happened here was they had a bunch of warnings to say, hey, you got to get out of here. You get, you got 20 minutes. And they say, you got 30 minutes, whatever they do, they weren't leaving. And essentially what they said was, we're not leaving until we get to talk with Governor DeSantis. And that's just ridiculous. Could you imagine if that's all you had to do, if you wanted to talk to a prominent politician and get your point across, you just had to stage a sit-in in their office. I don't think that's how they that's how that works. That's like the equivalent of a kid throwing a temper tantrum and thinking that that's how they're going to get their way. I appreciate that it's not like some crazy thing where you're trying to disrupt how the legislative process is done, but I and, you know, you're not sitting there on the House floor with a megaphone chanting no justice, no peace or any crap like that. At least you're doing it, I would say, in a quasi-correct way. Like you're not 
uh, you're peacefully protesting, which is very important. And then you're also not being too disruptive. So I guess that's good. But again, when you're asked, you're given all these warnings. It's not in your best interest to stay there and keep protesting when really you don't have anything specifically you're protesting. You just don't like the guy. So, uh, yes, you want to sit down with him and have a conversation. But there are other ways of doing that, other ways of making your voice heard other than just sitting in his office. But this does bring up a point that I think a lot of people have been making about Republicans and it's not so much in this case, because this in this case, they were arrested, but they weren't necessarily arrested because of, you know, it wasn't like canceling them. They were just arrested because they were doing something illegal. But I think what the issue is with a lot of Republicans, and this just brings up another interesting conversation. It doesn't relate too much, but I think it is an interesting conversation is lately we have seen a lot of cancel culture by the Republican Party. We have a situation in Tennessee where we're uh, censuring lawmakers. We have a situation in Montana where there was a trans lawmaker. We censured her. There are situations where, uh, you know, banning books, like, is that cancel culture? There are so many different things that I think it is an interesting conversation. And that's another conversation, actually, I would be interested in somebody coming on and kind of having a conversation about not necessarily a debate because I see both sides, but are Republicans going too far in this quasi-cancel culture uh, sort of ordeal? Are they engaging in cancel culture by censuring people from different state legislatures or by, you know, doing different things like that? I think that is an interesting conversation and it's something that I think is interesting when Republicans campaign on being such an anti-cancel culture group, yet in some ways they turn around and cancel others themselves. Alrighty, folks, well, that's going to do it for me today. Again, I'm sorry it's a little bit of a shorter episode, but I am exhausted. I'm going to get into my closing prayer now. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for the time that you've given me to be able to come on and speak to my listeners Lord, I just ask that uh, the words that I say be a reflection of you to those who listen to them. Father, I just ask that you be with those who were injured in Atlanta and the families affected by that, and that you just be with our governors and our, uh, our leaders in our country and just be with them, help them to make wise decisions, and just, again, be a reflection of you to those around them. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You guys are amazing. You probably already know. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with your friends if you haven't already. And I can't wait to see you all back here again next week for a whole new week of content. But until then, stay blessed.